Follow us on Facebook at Off Script with Super E Podcast. Also follow us on Twitter at OffscriptPod underscore one. Offscript with Super E recommends listener discretion as these real but sometimes uncensored stories can be filled with mature content. Hey everybody, it's A-Train. I'm sitting here with our good friend, Super E. Super E, what's happening? Not too much, a train. It's just a little rainy, gloomy day out here in the middle of nowhere. So, what's yeah. happening with you? Same thing, rain. Yeah, gloomy. But, uh, but yeah, we're gonna bring some sunshine to the listeners with with some tales from the street. What do you think? It sounds good. Oh, I I'm going to interject something real quick that I thought okay. it, around here where I live, there's not much going on. But when something when something happens, it's splashed in the newspaper and everybody knows about it. And this is a, a real quick one that just came to me. In this small town I live a few miles west of, apparently one of the local uh, town weirdos decided to knock on somebody's door and offered to cut the grass. Mm-hmm. And the homeowner answered the door and goes, okay, yeah, you want to cut the grass? He goes, yeah, but I need a... They need a belt. This belt's no good. So the the guy of homeowner, he went to get the guy a belt. When he came back, the guy's standing there with his pants down with a raging erection and said, check it out. He like gave it the point at it with both hands. Check it out. Look how big it is. Look how hard it is. You want to play with it? And the guy goes, no. Then the guy, then the weirdo goes, well, you want to jack off together? No! And so he immediately calls the police, and the town weirdo takes off running, and the police are chasing him. And here's the thing about hillbillies that I found out in our old part of town that we used to have to deal with everywhere. No matter what, I don't care how high the elevation is, if they, get, if they run up the stairs running from the police and they're like one story, two stories up, they will go off the balcony or out the window and hit the ground running because I guess they thought they cornered this guy. Yeah. Runs up the steps of this apartment on the first floor balcony of the apartment, jumped off it, did one Mannix roll, and was up sprinting through the fields <laughs> like Usain Bolt. <laughs> the old Mannix roll into yeah, the dead then, sprint. Yeah. <laughs> and then they finally were able to crowd the guy because he's running in a field and they're in vehicles. Yeah. But they catch him, and then in the paper next day, they they don't care. They splash his picture in there, and it's, you know, basically the bylines. Uh, local town pervert caught for obscene <laughs> performance. And I was like, you know what? Things are just kind of serene, and yeah. nothing's going on, and yeah. then all hell breaks loose no matter where you're at. So you're telling me this stuff doesn't just happen in the city. It happens out there in the sticks, too. Yes, yes. Now, yeah, I, like I'm in the sticks and just east of me is a small town. It's it's a very small town, but crazy stuff can pop off at any time and bless those guys' hearts. Uh, you you moved out there to get away from this crap. 
I know, but I, I tell you what, they do a good job. They, yeah. they generally keep things under yeah. control, but yeah. sometimes they can't help. These dudes can't help themselves. They can't help themselves. Yeah. Poor man needed a belt because he couldn't yes. keep his pants up and keep his boner in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, but anyways, I'm going to tell a tale that happened about 35 years ago during. Wow. In our town, we have a very large race. It takes about 500 miles to do it. And during this race. (laughs) I don't know where you're talking. Yeah. And and during this race, you have to have a large police presence. Right. And so that meant. There's a a quarter of a million people at this race. Yes, exactly. Uh Uh-huh. So they have to take people, police officers, uniform officers, half of them off the district, and then you leave a skeletal crew. Right. To run them districts. Well, I was one of the people they left to be one of the few uh, officers to take runs. And so I was, I was taking, I had to work also, we had to work 12 hour shifts. I started at uh, six in the um, evening and was going to go to six in the morning. And I was getting run after run after run after run. And finally, I got a break and I was wanting to eat my lunch i brought from home and uh it was a bizarre combination of i would like to eat a can of tuna for health reasons and then to reward myself for eating the tuna i would eat a hostess suzy cube uh not a good combination but right when i was getting ready to sit down and eat i maybe had a 10 second break it was like uh control adam 336 control Adam 336 please take a very inconvenient run for you that will interfere with your lunch at blah blah address (laughs) right and I'm like, oh my God. And so I didn't answer. And then 336, and then 336, and then 336. And then finally she's like, and 336, you clear on the run. I said, yes, I am. And she goes, okay. Because <laughs> she was tired too. Uh-huh. So I, I'm thinking, well, this is probably some bullshit run. You know, I'm going to get there and somebody's going to be arguing about somebody's stereo is too loud mm-hmm. or a neighbor's dog pooped in their yard. Right. And they're mad. Right. Little did I know that all of a sudden, the worst of the worst situations ever can happen just like that. And we're thrown. And as a police officer, you're thrown into it without you know, without any pre warning, and you immediately have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And this is something that's so horrible that it probably ruined a couple generations of this family. Um, wow. So. Yeah, what I, I was in, uh, the part of town that I was in was the north side of town, and there, it was like historic homes, and the uh, the homes were all old, and they were all owned by the people, mm-hmm. and uh, so I get there, and when I get to the address, I see a woman standing outside, and she's f- looking like she is fretting and nervous. And so I immediately, my attitude changes from, oh, this is probably a dumbass, stupid run to, okay, something serious is going on. This woman is very concerned. So my demeanor changes and I'm all ears and I'm listening. And she tells me, officer, there's something going on, something going on with my aunts. And I go, well, what is it? And she goes, every night, every night at 7 p.m., I come by and I check in on them because one is 90 years old. She is bedridden. The other is 89 years old. And she takes care of her. But they're both so old, 
um, that I take care of them. I go, and who are you again? She goes, I'm their niece. I was like, okay, can I just get your name? And then I, you know, I, at the time I'm 26. Mm -hmm. So to me, this woman appeared to be like 37. Okay. I said, I said, ma'am, what is your date of birth? And she said something, uh, like blah, blah, blah of 1917. I said, she said she was 75 years old. I was uh, stunned. She looked like she was 37. Amazing. And, yeah, it was amazing. And so I was like, okay, that's kind of just threw me for a second. Mm -hmm. And so, but she, I go, what, is, what is the concern you have? And she said, I went to, uh, I knocked on the door, the storm door, and nobody answered. She goes, the doors are always locked, the storm door and the regular door, the front door. She goes, I went and tried the storm door, and it was open, and automatically knew something's wrong. I said, so, is that's why you called the police? She goes, yes. If that storm door is unlocked, there's something wrong. And I thought, well, maybe she's kind of kind of overreacting a little bit. You right, know? right. Well, maybe she's overreacting. So, but I didn't say anything. I said, well, how about I check for you? She goes, okay. And I said, stand, stand right here. I'm going to check for you. And so I knock on the, the regular door, front door, no answer. And then I tried the front door and it opened up. And when she saw that that door was open, she burst into tears because mm -hmm. she knew something was wrong. And then I felt like something was wrong. Yeah. And I opened the door, announced my presence. And I could see that the house was spotlessly neat, except I looked over and I saw a TV and it looked like somebody tried to move it like about three feet oh. because the cord was uh, stretched tight. Yeah. And I told her, I said, I, I said, stay right here. Don't go. I said, don't come in the house and stay where you're at. I knew something was wrong. Yeah. And, and I put it out on the radio. I said, hey, I'm going to clear this house, but you might want to start somebody this way because we were stretched really thin. Right. And so I immediately go in announcing myself. I go up the stairs. Everything's neat as a pen. Dresser drawers open. Um, hmm. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm not liking this at all. I'm Man. not liking this. I, and I can't find the old women. And one woman was bedridden and she's not in her bed. Oh, man. I'm like, oh, no. I know what I'm going to find. I don't want to find it. So I go down back into the living room. I see some things like pulled out, moved out. I go into the kitchen. Kitchen drawers open. Nobody's calling to my, uh, you know, I'm, nobody's responding to my calls. Of are you know, Miss and Miss, are you here? Are you okay? Yeah. Then I could see that there was like a basement door, and it was just cracked. And I was like, no, I don't want to go down and find this. Cause I, in my gut, I knew what I was going to, I was going to find. Yeah. I, I opened that door and I walked down there and my flashlight, the batteries from being used so much, it was, it was kind of flicking in and out. Mm -hmm. So I go down there and I find these two old women, 90 years old, bedridden, 89 years old. And they had been brutally stabbed to death oh, and, no. and their, and their faces were their eyes were wide open and they were looking at me it's like they it's like they're getting ready to talk to me they looked like they was going to talk to me but they were deceased wow. and that when i saw that that was just burned into my brain i immediately thought about these women survived all these years of dealing with you know everything in their life uh, being successful you know raising kids 
and all this, and at the end of their life, when they're the most vulnerable, this is what happens to them. Somebody came in, tried to rob them, brutally murdered them, and I could tell they were thrown down these steps. Mm. And that, you know, that was probably one of the most horrific things that I see. You know, people ask me, is the most horrific thing of you being shot and, you know, got burned in? No, seeing those two old women is the thing that burned into my brain that kept me up at night Yeah, for, for a long time. It was just awful. And so then my, uh, a backup officer gets there and I, I said, Hey, go get a coroner. I've got to go talk to their niece. And as soon as I walked outside, she knew, she knew exactly what I was going to say. And that she, she kind of, she was walking towards me and I could tell she's ready to collapse. And I just said, they're gone. And she collapsed in my arms and she was crying so hard. And I had to hold her for a real long time because, you know, her two, her two aunts that she loved dearly had just been brutally murdered. And then he had to, I had to deal with this. There was a people that lived next door and it was like the rental house. And it was the one where the, the people just seemed like they didn't give a shit. I mean, I didn't know anything about them, but I could just tell, I mean, from my impression, they didn't give a shit about what their house looked like. They didn't give a shit about the property. And there was like news people everywhere, you know, the vans with all the news people and they had the lights on cause now it was dark right. and all this big commotion. And so people were coming out of their houses. They could hear what's going on. And these, all these people knew the victims, you know, there were relatives of the victims, friends of the victims. Right. And I could see that these people that live next door in the rental house, they bring out a TV because everything was happening in real time and they could see themselves on TV and all they talk about, look, we're on TV, we're on TV. And so <sighs> everything's being broadcast. And then I mentioned to the homicide guy, Hey, when I went down there, I don't know anything else. I'm just giving you this information. One of the dresses was pulled up. That's all it was. Okay. And he, so he has that information and he shared it to this guy, one of the high ranking guys mm -hmm. about this. And what's that guy do? He immediately says to the press, and there's a possibility of some sort of sexual, you know. Oh my God. And, I, and that was blasted across. And I was like, oh my God. I, and I said to the homicide guy, can you tell those people turn down that stupid TV that's being broadcast and everybody's hearing it? Mm. And he goes, oh, we know we can nothing we can do about it. And it was, it was just, what that family went through was just horrifying. And for I have to be blasted across the TV that was sitting on the porch. Yeah. And then for him to share that information. But then come to find out, I mean, I, I was like, who could have done this? Who could have done this? Come to find out that it was a a fourteen year old kid and his friend, if I remember correctly, yeah. in that lived next door. That I think they went, you know, they went over there and maybe for whatever reason we don't know. And I guess the old women trusted them enough to allow these two young kids in, mm. and then they turned around and murdered these old women for like I don't know, a couple dollars or something they found in the house. I, I mean, that's the one thing that just, that is what uh, eats away at a policeman. Yeah. Um, 
that's what eats away at us is, you know, I mean, of course, getting shot, being in shootouts. Yeah, that'll do it to you, too. But when you see the suffering that people have to go through, because for years after that, I just kept thinking about, you know, these old women, they went through a turbulent time in American history, you know, yeah. and, and to succeed and prosper and raise families and for their life to end so horrific. How, you know, how, do, how does that happen? And the, that was something that bothered me when people asked me, well, what bothered you? And it was like, that is what I thought about for a long time. I, I get it. I get it. I mean, you're right. These, these two, you know, elderly ladies, they probably lived in that house forever. And for, for, forever. You yes. know, they, so they've been a part of that neighborhood forever. Like you said, their, their house, you know, Everything was neat as a pin. I'm sure they were, they were great neighbors. Everybody yes. knew them. It sounded like, and, and the family lived in the neighborhood. It was a yeah. close knit neighborhood family. That's the way it was back yeah. in the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s, and 70s. And and you're saying the these two young, um, young guys that that murdered them, they they actually lived in that house next door. Well, one of them, if I remember correctly, lived in the house next door, and the other one was his friend. Okay, so, okay. So what I'm assuming is the uh, the two old women, you know, they seen him, they knew him, so mm -hmm. they didn't they didn't consider them as a threat. Right. Well, yeah. Cause I mean, it, who who would consider a 14 year old kid as a threat? Exactly. And and one of them lived next door, and yeah, yeah. I'm sure they did. They let him in for whatever reason, and you know. These so these these two young kids kill these elderly ladies for probably a few bucks. Yeah, a few bucks. And uh, it just that that is the stuff that just weighs on you. It's just yeah. all the senseless. Yes. Um, just just senseless. I mean, yeah. I bet <laughs> if these if these young dudes just asked those old ladies for a few dollars, I bet they would have gave it to them. Yeah, they would have just they would have just gave it to them. You know exactly. Um, and then you know th this house next door where it sounds like one of these kids. It was probably his family. They're just there's no there was there was no compassion. They brought a TV out there. Yeah, I, it, I, yeah. There there was no sensitivity. I'm like, how could you be doing that? And they were laughing and joking that they're on TV. And I was like, yeah. I just wanted to go get that TV, go up, walk up. But I was guarding a piece of evidence that was in the front yard. Yeah. If I could have left that piece of evidence, I wouldn't have taken that TV like Keith Moon and tossed it off the porch onto the sidewalk. Right. I mean, right. There's so many situations where you want to do something like that. And, uh, right. you know, what uh, do you remember what the evidence was in the in the yard that you were guarding? I, you know what? I, I think it was a piece of cloth or something like that. Okay. Okay. So they ended up, it sounds like they identified the, the two suspects and, yes, and, and, and they got that. arrested. Mm. But what I can't remember were they charged as adults. No. I think they might have been charged of adult, as adults. I, okay. I can't remember. It's been so long. Right, right. I get it. Um oh my gosh. That's a that's a rough it, one. That is that that is rough. You know, we we've talked about, you know, seeing serial killers and all that. Yeah. But, you know, these a murder for, you know, of opportunity like this is, you know, also devastating, you know, because the neighborhood didn't expect anything like this, especially from a young kid. 
Exactly. You know, exactly. They were all petrified after that. Oh, man. Well, yeah, that that is, I can absolutely see how that's that's a run that stays with you. Yeah, I know. I know we, you know, we generally try to tell humorous sides of it, but this is also the things that shape policemen to what they have to, because, you know, they say policemen have to fight battle demons and, yeah. uh, you know, in our, in our head because it starts weighing us down and, yeah. you know, the PTSD. Well, you know, I didn't know anything about PTSD, but this is one of those things that when you see something like this, this is just another layer yeah. that adds to that. It just keeps mounting on officers. Exactly. Exactly. And, and the niece, when you came out, she knew what, what had happened. She She just sensed it. She she sensed it. And all I had to, all I said was I didn't give any details. I just looked at her and I said, they're gone. And she collapsed in my arms and I had to hold her Mm. for, and, um, cause you know, she had just, you know, couldn't stand she couldn't move she couldn't think all she, all she could do was grieve exactly oh man and, yes well that uh i mean i think the listeners you know i think they want to hear stuff like that i mean because it um yeah a lot of our stuff is goofy and funny and you know we you know it's not earth-shattering type stuff, but but you know the, these are the kind of things we had to deal with, and um, you know it it's just it's the senseless stuff that always got me. It was just you know why did somebody do this horrific thing to another human being for for really no reason? And it's and, like when you were when you were homicide, yeah, you had to see that. Yeah, it's just you you look at it and you're just you're like why did this have to happen? I mean, there there's no reason for so much of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, I get it. I get a super E. It's yes. uh it's it's stuff, but you know, I mean, and everybody just expects the cops, well, you know, that's you signed up for the job, deal with it. You know, yeah, and, this is what you signed up for. Be a robot. Yeah. Don't be a human being. But yeah. If if you could have saw if you could have saw this woman when she found out that her that her aunts were murdered, it just it would just broke your heart. You know, you just can't you can't say, oh, I I don't have any feelings toward this or I don't, I'm not going to let this affect me. This is that's affected me for 37 years. Exactly. Exactly. And and yeah, I mean, you'll you. You won't ever forget that until until the day you die. You right, know exactly. Um, it, it's, it, it was it was something in my life that was horrible to see because I know how bad I felt. The family felt a thousand times worse, and they they're like I said, probably a couple generations suffered from that. Yeah, of that family exactly, exactly. Well, I you know appreciate the way you handled the niece. I mean that's. That's the way it's supposed to supposed to be done, you know. There was you had compassion and sensitivity, and um, you know, yes. D- sometimes it 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 isn't always like that, you know. You might get right. an officer, and but but anyway, that's the way it's supposed to be done. Super, right. and, and I appreciate it. Um, All right. You know, I will tell you one one other thing. When, you know, and when I was in homicide and I understand the uh, public information officers and commanders, they got to have info as the, you know, uh, investigation progresses and this and that. But 
you know, and I was, I, I obviously was always close, you know, kept things close to my vest because you can't release, you know, uh, certain details of a crime because, right. you know, that that's going to be important later in the investigation. But it just always drove me bananas when, you know, the, the, the public information guys and the commanders, well, we need to know that we need to know more. We need to know. And I, and I was always like, okay, I'm going to tell you, but keep your mouth shut. You know, you can't give away, you can't give away <laughs> key evidence. Yeah. It's like, there was no reason for that commander, whoever he was to, to say anything about a sexual assault, because first of all, at that time, you didn't know if that was the case or not. You were just, you were passing on information. Hey, her, you know, one of their gowns was up or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. That And that's just a, a, a small little side note on this. I just, you know, I understand they got a job to do and they want to get info, information out, but it's just like, come on, use your head, you know? Exactly. So, exactly. Well, well, listen, um, I appreciate you telling us that story, and I, I think the listeners are going to appreciate it also. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's a tragedy, and unfortunately – those tragedies happen every day. I wish they didn't, but they do. And, um, you know, just for all the, uh, all the officers out there right now, just, just keep plugging away and doing what you're doing. Cause you're, you're on the right side, no matter what anybody says. You're right. A train. So, okay. Well, listen, super, I'm going to close this one out and, uh, maybe our next one, we'll have a couple giggles. Next one we will. Okay. Sounds good. See y'all later. Right. Bye.